the only video game. Well, first of all, did you watch the fucking season finale of Moon Knight? No, but we finished your flag. It means death. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we haven't finished that yet. Okay. Yeah, finished finished Moon Knight today. Holy shit. Okay. And the best part was doesn't fucking have anything to do with fucking Avengers or any other bullshit. It yeah, just yeah. It stays self-contained the whole way through. And that's, I was just that's, like, that's kind of what I want Star Wars to start doing. Just start rubbing yeah. its titties su- suggestively. Uh, n- yeah, it doesn't have to tie back to the old movies. doesn't have to tie back to the Skywalkers or really any established character. It's okay to tell a new story with new characters. So, question for you. Yeah. Uh, because it's May the 4th, there's been, like, a lot of photos and shit like that shared, including some behind-the-scenes footage of Mandalorian season... Or, no, Book of Boba Fett. And that, like, Disney over-exaggerated? What? Because remember when the new young Luke shit dropped? Okay, And yeah. they were like... They were like, oh, this was, like, completely computerized... We had, like, a stand-in, and we just, like, deep-faked him, and it looked way better this time. And, like, there was fucking AI that did the fucking vocal track for him. So, like, Mark Hamill wasn't even fucking a part of this anymore. We can, like, make it without him now. Yeah, there was, like, tons of photos of Mark Hamill on set doing the thing. Okay. Like, there's there's a photo of him in the old get-up, and he's holding the little baby chainmail. Like... Maybe so he like, was like the body double for himself. Like they AI well, face. There was a guy. Yeah. yeah. There was still a young guy there yeah, yeah, who looks yeah. a lot like him. So it's yeah. almost like, why are we even bothering with deep faking? This kid kind of looks like him. Yeah. But he was still there. And it yeah. just felt like when that episode dropped, Disney was like way into jerking itself off about how much like, oh my God, we just did this about Mark Hamill. Fuck yeah, him. Yeah. And then it was like, no, he was on set. Like he clearly was helping with this. So the, the, like, I mean, the like deepfake stuff is definitely it's getting better, but right. it is still uncanny valley to me. Where it's just like it takes me out of like I'm just like uh, what was that real? No, no, no. It like it's blinked. the it's, it, it's the eyes and the mouth. Yep. Those are the two that really fuck you yep. up because the eyes it's usually something weird. It's usually lighting, and then the mouth when they start moving, you get that weird like it's not moving exactly how a face should. Podcast. My name is James. I'm Justin. I'm Zach. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here we are. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's May the 4th. Be uh, with you. May the 4th be with you guys, too. Yeah. Hey, we are also with you. We're all screwed up the name. We're all looking real dumb, real nerdy yeah. and dumb. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are you guys doing. Anything special to commemorate May the 4th other than just wearing a dumb t-shirt? Just okay. wearing a dumb t-shirt, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched some Disney Plus. Oh, did I you? Gave what? Disney, I gave Disney my money. That helps. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta <laughs> you gotta help out Disney. That's one thing I've learned. That's the is one. That's what you really need really, to there's, You gotta give them some money. You know, that's yeah. charity. That's charitable. Just give Disney yeah. more <laughs> money. Uh, Ron DeSantis well, is trying to take the money away. So right, exactly. right, right, right. Trying to shut down their fire department right. um, to do the Star Wars episode last episode. And instead, not talk about Star Wars at all. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah, great. Great job. 
Uh, no, today we're talking about uh, Kirby and what? Fuck me! What's the, the Forgotten, Forgotten Land? Land. For, thank you. I always fucking forget what the name. It's the most forgettable title. Kirby the, and the Post-Apocalyptic Earth. Yeah, yeah. Kirby and the literally forgettable title, The Forgotten Land. Kirby and damn you, you blew it up, you bastards. That's <laughs> the... Um. So, uh, um. This is like my favorite. Like when we get to around to like a franchise. Like, what is your guys's experience with Kirby? I think this is the first Kirby game, mainline Kirby game, I think, that I've played for, start to finish. Like, uh, I've, I've okay. dabbled but in a, all of them, I think, but this is, like, the first one I'm like, all right, and I finished it. Yeah. What about um, I, I'm, I'm sort of historically a Kirby player. I played the original uh, Dreamland, Nightmare in Dreamland, all those... Um, you know, all the side-scrolling, you know, 2Ds, Super Nintendo, Game Boy ones, you know. Uh, I did, um, to really compare this game, I did play through 100% uh, Kirby 64, a.k.a. Kirby and the Crystal Shards. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, so it was kind of exciting to see the game take a new turn on uh, not just being like a linear scrolling kind of game and give you more of a yeah 3d kind of opening yeah exactly yeah it, it's it's almost like um uh, if you played um super mario 3d world it's it's like 3d but you're uh i don't know you're you're kind of limited in how far you can go in any one direction usually um yeah uh my my history with kirby is i want to say my sister had a couple of kirby games for the game boy so i played that a little bit as a kid um I my first like real sort of handling of Kirby was definitely in like the Smash Brothers games and just how great of a teabagger Kirby is. Um, <laughs> my, my brother uh, loved the Kirby cartoon show. Uh, uh, what was it? Kirby right back at you. I think it was. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It, it came uh, out roughly uh, when the Sonic cartoon came out. Yeah. Not not the old Sonic cartoon. No, the, talking more, the yeah. more retro Sonic underground, that kind of. Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, and then, uh, my other great experience with Kirby is, uh, I, yeah, James, I like that you're like shocked. Like, wait, 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 they sold out and made a cartoon show about a video game. Yeah. That's Nintendo's thing. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Um, I just didn't know they did it specifically with Kirby, but I, I've seen um, like obviously Mario, Zelda, whatever. Yeah. And Captain Man and all that. Right, but, right. um, but no, my other major experience is I have a, um, I have like an eight hour VHS tape of, uh, every Super Nintendo commercial that was played in uh, like store kiosks when it first came out. And so I have watched every single commercial for every single Kirby game that was on the Game Boy and Super Nintendo and just watched how much they struggled to try to sell yeah, the game. Yeah. And try to explain yeah, the game I, in like a 30 second like blip. They were just like, I don't know, man. There's a penguin. He's got a hammer. I specifically remember being a little kid and seeing the commercial where it's like Kirby gets rushed to the ER because he's been like eating too much or something. And like being a little kid and being like, what the fuck? Like, what does this and have then to they, do? And, yeah. And then they kept like comparing him to marshmallows for a while. Yes. Like, yes. Like, okay. He's yeah, a mar like just... me being an actual person who played it, though, I was like, he's not really a marshmallow. He's just a little... And 
Well, well, and then there was always there's always that um, I don't know controversy meme whatever where you compare like the the box art between like every Kirby game everywhere else in the world versus how it looks in America and like the layout's exactly the same but they give Kirby like angry eyebrows in yeah. America so yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Kirby's yeah. pretty badass actually <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You know, you're not aware <laughs> um, so that's my experience with Kirby so this is the first like full-blown ass Kirby game that I've like really sat down and, and really gotten into um yeah I, I, I'll say overall I, I really enjoyed this this is something just like um the Lego game that we reviewed on a previous episode uh this is like a nice co-op game that I've just been playing you know very casually with my wife here and there she usually plays Kirby and then I play uh, uh bandana waddle D I had to very consciously say that because I misspoke at first and called him Banana Waddle D, and she started making fun of me. <laughs> so now we both just call him Banana Waddle D. Banana Waddle D. That's clearly yeah, the name. Yeah, um, I'm going to be Banana Waddle D. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the exact same thing in our house. We've been basically bouncing back and forth between Lego Star Wars and Kirby as like the chill out before bed kind of game. However, I will say that I think Kirby does a way better job of like chilling out before bed. Than Lego Star Wars because there's still elements of Lego Star Wars where you're like, God damn it, I gotta get to the platform and fucking thing. Kirby, it was just like, this is fun and this is yeah. whimsical and yeah. yay and good feelings before bed. Um, nobody was getting mad at each other before bed, and I can't say the same thing about Lego Star Wars. It's, it's got the Nintendo polish that that mm. like Lego is missing. There's mm -hmm, you know it's mm -hmm. smoothed off all of those edges, those sharp edges have just been polished off and. Everything just kind of feels good. It feels it... like a Kirby game. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it. Like if you've ever played any of the like 3D esque Kirby games, it it feels great. I mean, it, uh, it pretty much plays like Kirby. You got a couple extra moves, but he does pretty much the same stuff he's always done. So it feels right. One thing I will say that it does a really great job of is um, natural exploration for like the little bonusy things like finding like the extra like stamps and, and collectibles and things like that. It does a really, really great job of making organic exploration feel like, Oh, this is awesome. And not like uh Oh my God, I got to search around and I got, and I mean, it's a, it's not trying to be dark souls. Um, but it, it does a really great job of, of allowing for the exploration to be like, Oh, Hey, I found the thing. Awesome. You know, and not like a, how the hell would I ever find this thing? You know, that, because that's can sometimes be the because like um, Mario Odyssey kind of got that way at a certain point where it's like how the fuck was I ever supposed to figure out that this is where the thing is? Whereas yeah. with Kirby, it was just sort of like oh I was already kind of fucking around here and I found this. This is great. Yeah. Um, just as a quick aside, a little baby bit of research. Um, it has a, currently as of as of recording, it has an 85 uh, Metascore on Metacritic and a 9.0 user rating which puts it as one of the highest if not the highest meta score re uh reviewed uh game in kirby history um it is there is next to nobody saying anything shitty everyone's having a really good time um i was very impressed with that i, I thought it was really interesting that um that everyone just kind of joined hands and was like man this is a fucking good game <laughs> I, I, I i i don't have any complaints i think that's two things i think that's one first of all it's a good game like the a yeah. that and then second it's kind of got like the nintendo switch effect where like i mean i think uh 
uh, like Animal Crossing definitely had this where like a bunch, a whole bunch of people played it and it was like their first Animal Crossing. Like a whole bunch of people played this is their first Kirby. Maybe that okay. happened with like Breath of the Wild too. Like I think there, there's just so, I mean the Switch is so ubiquitous that like, you know, anytime a new Nintendo franchise gets released on the Switch, there's just a boatload of people who are like, oh, I've never played this game before. Let me try it out. Um, so that might account for that maybe a little bit. I don't know. Now, why is that? Because I that doesn't necessarily cross over. Like, just because it's mm. like, oh, here's whatever, name your equivalent thing, on, like, PlayStation. There's not plenty of people who are like, well, I've never played this type of game before. Let me jump in. They're like, oh, it's not a sequel to the game I like, so fuck this shit. You know, why? what is it about the Switch that makes people, like, more willing to try new things as part of a franchise is well, it just because it's like I, I'm well, just, what else are you gonna play or i'm just saying the switch has sold a million and gajillion fucking bajillion copy like the switch i think at this point has outsold the wii i don't i don't i don't know if you're aware but the wii sold more copies than god and now the switch <laughs> yes, has outsold yes, okay. the, so just like everyone and their mother has a switch now so like if you're looking for something new to play you're just like oh kirby cool yeah, I think one of the things Nintendo does, or well, whenever like a uh, the Nintendo esque like franchises do, is that like like you just you made the point, Zach, is that it's not a sequel. They don't really do mm. sequels. It's just kind of like new adventure every yeah, time. Yeah. So with Mario, yeah. it's just new adventures. Mm-hmm. Kirby, it's a new adventure. Zelda, it's pretty much a new adventure. Sometimes there's a sequel, um, but like overall, it like and and and. I agree. It's also this because of the switch and it's probably its versatility and everyone likes to play it in bed. It's just an easy system to play. But over that, it's, it's just like having that um, opportunity to play a game, knowing that you didn't really have to play the old one to yeah. figure out the new one. True. And it's just kind of just its own game in and of, in of itself. So I, maybe that's just what makes it work. Yeah, well, I, I was think... gonna say it—it's it, got an element of—I uh, don't know if you guys ever played like the fucking Yoshi Epic Yarn for Last Gen, but it's yep. like it—it it has a definitely, definitely similar vibe of like, hey, we're just chilling out, we're having a fun time, but doesn't quite feel as like, um, I don't know, it's like preschool, I guess, as Yoshi did. Like there were times where it's like. Okay, I did. I feel like I'm gonna get. I'm on a watch list because I'm playing this as a full grown adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Kirby felt a little bit more like, no, it's just a different kind of paced game, but it's still like, mm-hmm. it's still a full complete game. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I was, I was going in with just sort of like general interest, but not really like hard set expectations. And I was like, this is actually a lot of fun. So yeah. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. No, same. The one, the biggest thing I'm going to knock this for is not really this game's fault. And as long as we're talking about the Switch, like, the, the the last few things I've played on the Switch, and especially now this game, like, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think the Switch so very desperately needs a hardware upgrade. Like, oh, yeah. I, I'm running into frame rate issues. I'm running into, like, the resolution looks kind of shit. I mean, I have an obnoxiously big TV, but, like... Every everything just kind of looks jaggy and like the flex, the ultimate flex. No, it's uh, not Kirby, even. F- Kirby it sucks because just... it makes my giant TV look bad. Yeah, but like I'm, you know, I can like switch over to PC and play things in 4K or even 1080. Like the Switch cannot consistently hit 1080, and it's like, oh my god, like 
2022, we got to get games to run at 1080. Like, that's, like, bare minimum now. Like, I don't know. I feel like the Switch has got to... We got to... We gotta get a Switch HD, Switch Pro, something before Breath of the Wild two or the, you got the OLED. That's basically the same thing. <laughs> mm. No, I'm I'm telling you, uh, we talked about this on the podcast before. Tinfoil hat on. <laughs> I I think the Switch OLED was supposed to be the Switch Pro, but you know, COVID supply chain fucked that all up, and they yeah. were just left with a big warehouse of OLED s- screens, and they're like, well, I guess we can make OLED switches. Not good enough for Kirby, though. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That That's, like, the one thing I'm like, man, like, because, like, like I, uh, playing, like, Pokemon, the new Pokemon Snap, I'm like, god damn, like, this would be a million times better if it was just the resolution was just not shit. I mean, it's yeah. not shit. It's shit. It's shit. It's no, bad. No, you're not wrong. You've yeah. said shit ten times, so that yeah. means you're right. Um, that's the rule. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, it's noticeable. And even in a game like this where you're like, come on, it's not like you're running, you know, some super duper detail like yeah. oh the most lifelike characters that have ever been rendered it's like mm-hmm. no this is like cutesy gooby shit and the fact that it still struggles at moments you're like come on game and, what are we doing yeah like the new pokemon that's the one that yeah. really like like ooh. but like this game too where uh i don't know like this game visually looks so much better than poke like pokemon obviously everyone's like, that game looks rough like yeah. this game like, come on Come on, Pokemon. Like, hire some people from HAL Labs. Let's go. Yeah, yeah this game, true. This game looks really pretty, and I just want the resolution to, like... I, to I, match that. Yes, exactly. Like, and the frame hey, rate. it looks great, and it looks like it was made yeah. in 1997. Yeah, it's yeah, like the art... On. It's like Nintendo is so good. HAL Labs is so... I, I don't know. Anything under the Nintendo umbrella, with the exception of Pokemon, apparently. Like, and, uh, the art style can kind of compensate for the lack of... Like, I was watching, uh, like, my wife was playing Breath of the Wild, and I'm like, god damn, this game is, like, fucking beautiful, and it came out in 2017, but then I'm, like, looking at, the it's got all the same, like, frame, not so much frame rate, but they're, like, the resolution in that game is still shit, but, like, you don't really notice that, because, like, Nintendo is so good at art style that your eye doesn't get caught up on those things, but I don't know. It's time for a, time for a hard, hardware upgrade. I, I, I want it. I don't know. Zach doesn't seem to care, but I am... I'm gung ho for a more you're powerful. Talking, you're talking to a guy who watches his movies on VHS. Like, do I give a shit about the resolution? <laughs> of course not. He watches little gray lines scroll across his CRT. Yeah, and All I'm right. like, hmm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm talking to the wrong audience, I guess. But yeah, I, I want to know. When I when I watch Twitch channels, I watch them through a CRT. Like, that's how much of an asshole I am. So okay. that means nothing to me. Okay. As long as it runs smooth enough, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But. Um, but I totally see your point, and especially if we're you, you look at a game like Kirby and how good it looks and the art style of it, and then you start to think like, what could they do if there wasn't a ceiling? They yes, hitting? exactly. It's like, hamstrung by the hardware. Like yeah. all all of these new games are just hamstrung by the shitty Switch hardware. Well, it's not even shitty. It is now. It's you know it's five we're it's five getting, yeah we're five years in and the hardware was already kind of underpowered when it came out and now it's just like we it's need... starting to get more noticeable it's starting to become yeah. an elephant in the room that yeah. is my that thank you that that is more eloquently expressed the point that I'm trying to make the longer we go the more noticeable it is that the switch is underpowered uh, that I could totally agree with yes and, yes and and then it yeah you're absolutely right I, are I, we I, reaching I, that tipping point where it's going to be like 
are now are, are we going to lose games for the Switch because yes. it just can't handle it? Like, I'm, is that is are I'm we going to reach that apex? I'm tired of looking at new Switch games and being like, ah, oh, what if? What if the Switch was <laughs> more powerful? Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't go with the whole uh, expansion pack thing like they did for ah. like 64. Like, do yeah. like a slot that you can just plug some fucking. I don't know, graphics enhancement. We can all agree, despite, you know, the the console wars and stuff like that, we can all agree that there was no greater technology than the totem pole system that the Sega Genesis gave us. When you had to put in the 32X and Sonic and Knuckles and all. It never got better than that. So I agree. If we're going to be some kind of thing to jam on top of the Switch and then, like, plug an HDMI cable into that and whatever, whatever, like, that's 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 where the future holds for for Nintendo. They're that like, would be eh. pretty. That would be pretty cool if they do make a slot that can like kind of bump up the switches. I don't know. Like instead of it just being like a click in and it's charging and displaying, it's like a click in and it's got a little bit of a better I don't know graphics output kind of. My my fear. True. I guess technically, yeah. If you like snuck it into the dock, I guess that could work. Yeah. My fear, I am so excited. I'm pretty sure either next week or the week after my Steam Deck is going to ship. And I feel like once I have that in my hand, I'm never going to look back at the Switch. And <laughs> until, until like, Breath of the Wild 2 or the next big Nintendo co- title comes out. Because, like, why would I? Like, you know? I don't know. Anyway. Give this man Darkest Dungeon 2. That's all he wants. Let him play it on the Steam Deck. And then after a week into that, then we'll all be trying to buy Steam Decks to play Darkest Dungeon 2. Anyway, yeah. that's my It'll Switch. George hard- all over again. My Switch hardware rant. Anyway, back to Kirby. Do you guys have anything else to say about Kirby? It was uh, good. It was great. I enjoyed it. Kirby put a lot of big shit in his mouth. And yeah. every time it came up with a new thing to be like, hey, you're going to eat this big fucking thing and become this thing. I was like, this is like how fetish. How, yeah, how much can Kirby deep throat in this game? <laughs> did, did, did you guys get to finish this game? Did not finish it yet, no. Okay, I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I will say, you will never guess what the ending scene of this game is. I could give you a million and one guesses. You'll never guess how this game ends. It's so... Cur- My guess is, sight unseen, Kirby devours the entire world. He Good guess. the whole Good fucking guess. planet, and it becomes... It pans out... Oh, it's a Katamari Damashi game the whole time. What uh, if I... I'm just going to tell you, because you guys won't fucking believe it. What if I told you uh, there is an alien, uh, a super powerful? Ultimate... Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Should we put spoilers in the description here? Spoilers! Yes. Spoilers! I'm spoiling the we'll, Kirby we'll put game. Put the time code. We'll put the time yeah. code in the description. If, if you, for, you I'm now. just gonna describe a ridiculous thing out of context. If you don't want to hear what it is, skip ahead five minutes. Whatever. The ending scene of this game. There's like an ultimate life form. Alien. It's very Dragon Ball Z. There's an ultimate life form alien who has like three different transformations, and the final transformation, he like flies up in the sky, like full anime style, and he's like throwing pieces of the world at you, like aka like a la Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then he has like a giant Kamehameha beam, and in order to counter the Kamehameha beam, oh my god, he's Kirby. Such a beam. Kirby deep throats a semi truck and like <laughs> has to drive fast enough to like offset the Kamehameha and you have to like mash you have this like beam battle where you have to like mash so hard that the semi beats the it's th- the most outrageous thing I've, I I <laughs> never 
you like you could give me a million mad libs and I never would have mad libbed the ending of this game. Uh, the fact that he beats Perfect Cell by deep throating a trucker, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. Well done, Hell Labs. Well, yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah. It, it, so, goes so, to, it goes to show that Kirby is the most pow- powerful video game character. Yeah. Um, that should be. There should be an alternate ending to every one-player uh, game uh, for Smash. It's just like whatever the big bad is, Kirby just sneaks up behind them and eats them. And that's how it ends. I'm so glad you mentioned Smash. Did you guys ever play Kirby Air Ride? Oh, yeah. Yes. That was my shit. Jesus. I never played Kirby Air Ride, ever. So as we're playing Kirby in the forgotten title of this game, my wife is like, oh, man, I used to love Kirby Air Ride. I'm like, okay, we should play that when we finish. So we finish this game. We put in Kirby Air Ride. For me, a Smash player, especially one who played a fuckload of Melee, Kirby Air Ride is this weird, alternate, like, nightmare version of Melee, where it's like, Melee, because it's developed by uh, uh, Sakurai's, what was, Sora, LTD, and and HAL Labs, and it was the last Kirby game that uh, Sakurai made, and he made it, like, right after Melee. So there's so many reused melee assets. Like all the art style's the same, the compo- the, the composer's the same, a lot of the graphical oh, yeah. elements are the same. It's this weird alternate version of melee and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? like when you pause the game and unpause the game, it's the same sound effect as it is in melee. <laughs> the menus all work the same. The oh, yeah. like the graphic it's so weird. I'm like, this is like melee but not and it's freaking me out. Uh, very odd. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, fun game though. I I, I like Kirby Air Ride. That's that's you got cool. you. Did you play the uh, multiplayer one where you uh, um, go around the city, grade find like new carts and upgrade them and? No, wait. Is that we were just racing each other? Oh no no no. So there's a whole thing where uh, I forgot what the I forget what the mode's called. It, it is one of the multiplayer modes. Do you have to you unlock it or something? I don't think I don't think so. You oh, can okay. just play it right off the bat. I think uh-huh. you're dropped into a city, all of you, and what you have to do is ride around. Um, obviously, you get the basic, uh, you know, warp star, but you can hop off the warp star if you find another vehicle and jump onto that. And then essentially, what you're what you're supposed to do, you get like you can set the time, but I think you get like like five or ten minutes to ride around this whole entire city. You can go on top of buildings, underground. There's all sorts of shit. And um, you're supposed to collect upgrades to sit here and bump up your um, vehicle. Um, And you can fuck over other people. So if you hit someone enough, so if you get a vehicle that has like already is like very good with like just attacking someone, you can sit there and and hit them a whole bunch of times and just destroy the thing they've been working on and they have to go start again. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's also where the, uh, like Kirby dragon pieces came from. So there will ah. be dragon vehicles that'll randomly fly in. And if you collect, you can either one collect the pieces or you can try to get onto one of the dragon vehicles by jumping on it. But if you collect all the pieces, you get this super powerful vehicle. Um, and then the other thing is, is that the, um, final event. So after you do the whole city and you get your vehicle all upgraded and the time runs out, um, the thing that you have to do is randomized. So you're either going to race, you're going to do like a, 
like a dart game, essentially, or you're, you're going to do like a battle royale or you all have to fight a boss. So it's like you may have like put a bunch into, say, like flying or speed, but then you have to do battling and your melee you know, or you're like your attack sucks. So, you know, and this it, is all it, multiplayer. Yeah. Oh, shit. This sounds That's very really odd. I, I definitely want to play this now. And then you can teabag. Uh, apparently the other crazy thing about the, there's like a really big net play online net play community for Kirby air ride. Uh, also because uh, Kirby air ride had, it was like this very forward thinking game and had uh, like land support on the Nintendo GameCube. Yeah. The, there's what like the a fuck? GameCube land adapter you could get. So like the net code is kind of, kind of sort of already there uh, in place. So, like, if you emulate this on, like, Dolphin, you can... Anyway, the, the, the net play infrastructure is already there. You don't have to come up with some crazy... Build it from scratch. Build yeah, it from yeah, scratch yeah. like they've done for Melee or done for, you know, a lot of these other games. It's uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of people that play Kirby Air Ride online, I guess, which is crazy. Yeah, it's called, so, um, it's called City Trial. Oh, City Trial. Okay. I gotta check that out. That sounds really fun. So, overall, three out of three, thumbs up. Kirby and the Forgotten Land, pretty damn good. Surprisingly damn good. Um, and something to chill out with before bed, uh, and it's good. It's good. Um, but, fellas, this feels weird. It's still May the 4th, and we're, we're talking about a Kirby game. So if we can depart slightly from the norm here, mm-hmm. I think it's time to talk about a little – talk about some cinema. Some cinema. So – it's May the 4th. However, it's a special anniversary as well. Because 25 years ago, this week, in 1997, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery dropped in theaters and comedy was changed forever. <laughs> and I want to take a minute to talk about Austin Powers and why it actually still holds up to this day. I am uh, so glad you want to talk about Austin Powers, because this is <laughs> also one of my favorite films, and uh, this is one, This is one. I, I think, like, a, a couple years ago, I was like, I rewatched it, like, on a whim, and I was like, I wonder if this holds up. Still really fucking funny. Well, uh, there was that one night we fucking stayed up all night, we watched the first and the second one, and came down hard on the second one because the first was superior. We didn't even realize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, the the strange thing about Austin Powers is it lives in that sort of pop culture infamy of like quotable comedies that become ingrained in pop culture that a lot of douchebags end up saying. So right, it's like yeah. you know, oh behave, my wife. Uh, fucking, you know, I'm Ron Burgundy, fucking Caddyshack references, something, something, something. Yeah, there's yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, there's yeah. that level, that peak level of yeah. comedy. Uh, Ace Ventura, there's like that level where yeah. just like everybody just quoted that to death, and then you almost start to doubt, was that movie even good in the first place? Um, <laughs> Anything but, oops, from Spaceballs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. May the Schwartz be with you and all that nonsense. Yeah. Uh, a budget of $16.5 million dollars gross worldwide 67 million dollars so a success not a gigantic success but a success and then apparently was one of the first like 
runaway DVD hits. Like it was just everybody owned this on DVD and to the point where they started at apparently like midway through doing the commentary track for the DVD, uh, Mike Myers had learned that they wanted a sequel. Wow. So like that so it was it was not something I guess they were super expecting to be a gigantic hit. But because keep in mind, this is right after Wayne's World one and two. Yeah, this is six seasons on SNL. This is a two year hiatus. Uh, once Mike Myers left SNL, it was a two year hiatus. And then this is his big comeback thing. And it and it goes off like gangbusters. And I watched it before we started recording tonight um, because I that's the level of research I'm putting on this fucking show. Um, it's all fresh in his mind. And it super still holds up. What what scenes stand out to you? Because I have a specific scene that. Well, I... first of all, let's let's put this out in the open. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Uh, the a lot of vagina uh, jacuzzi scene was oh, a yeah. sexual awakening for oh. me. Oh, oh, that oh, was absolutely oh, okay, okay, okay. I remember being thirteen and being like, "Oh my god, I have to rewatch this scene a hundred times now." <laughs> um, in my room with the door closed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and yeah, anytime yeah. I see that actress in another movie, that's all I think about. It's just like, that's ah, a lot of vagina. <laughs> I want to talk about the scene where they walk in to like the Vegas casino. Cause uh-huh. there's like, there's three, three, maybe four back to back jokes or like mm-hmm. bits or skits, whatever you want to call them. Moments, I would say. Moments like, like that four are moments back to so back. So fucking funny. Because, okay, five maybe. Because uh, <laughs> he's just like walking in and he's like, hey, there you are. And the guy's like, hey, do I know you? No, but that's where you are. You're there. And I'm just like, what a fucking <laughs> Very weirdo. Stupid. So he's Very sits, stupid. So he, he like sits down at the table and, you know, it's in the movie. It's, you know, he's, he's supposed to be undercover spying on Dr. Evil's henchmen or whatever. Yes. So he has to have, like, an alias, and he says, like, (laughs) "Uh, Hi, my name is Richie Cunningham. This is my wife, Oprah. The joke being that he's from 1969 before either of these people would be, you know, known names. And so everyone just looks at at him like he's crazy. The hell? Um, I love that. And then we go right into this um, reveal that Dr. Evil's henchman is cheating at Blackjack, and he's got, like... This super-powered X-ray eye patch that allows him to see the top card of the deck. So he's got like, I don't know, 17 or, or 18 or something. And he hits, it's 17. You were right the first time. Never doubt I, yourself. I couldn't remember. I thought I knew this movie by heart. but uh, You do. Yeah. It was 17. He hits on, you know, he's like, oh, I'll hit on 17. And the dealer's like, sir, you have 17. And he looks right at Austin Powers, the protagonist, and says... You know, I like to live dangerously. And, you know, of course, flips over the card. It's exactly the card he needs to get 21. So Austin Powers draws what? He has like a four or something. I, <laughs> yeah. I, and he's like, I'll stay. <laughs> and, you know, looks right <laughs> back at the... Just outrageous. Yeah. That that right there just speaks on a fundamental level to my sense of humor. Just like outrageous goofball but, like, I, I, the two actors play it so well, because Mike Myers is like, mm, I like to live dangerously, too. And, like, Dr. Evil's henchman just, mm, yeah, you do. Yeah, but the dealer, <laughs> is not, the, the dealer doesn't, the, the soup Nazi from Seinfeld does not exist in the same plane as those two characters. Because as soon as he flips the card over, he's like, 
you lose, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just like, like he's not in the battle of wits between the two of them. He's like, what is this asshole doing? Like, this is not how you play. <laughs> and I forgot the joke that's in between Richie Cunningham, my wife Oprah, and the card scene is, what is your name? My name is a lot of vagina. And he's like, excuse me, I didn't get that. Oh, it's a lot of vagina. I'm sorry, it sounds like you're saying a lot of... Yeah, like... <laughs> just... <laughs> well, I, and I will say to your point about the Richie Cunningham line, uh -huh. is really all in the, in the delivery. Yes, yes. Because yes. the scene does a great job of once he comes to, oh my God, there's Dr. Evil's henchman at Blackjack, here's our chance, we're really getting the sense of like, okay, now... Here's when he turns on the James Bond. Like this is where this is this is a classic setup, and he sits down confident, and Elizabeth Hurley's next to him, and it's like, oh, here we go, and he's gonna hit him with his alias, and yeah. it's just, I'm Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife Oprah, and you're just like, oh my god, you blew it already. Like it's so, <laughs> yes, it's, it's and I love very very well. We just we shoot, and then the scene right after that is the bathroom scene where he's you know he's Which, oh, here's the thing. I defy you. okay you. there, buddy? I defy you. You show me a better performance from Tom Arnold in his whole fucking career. Because it doesn't <laughs> exist. The, him as the random Vegas cowboy is the best performance that Tom Arnold ever gave. Like, he's just sitting there. So, James, please, explain the bathroom scene. First of all, <laughs> not first of all Austin Powers comes in. And there is a very obviously sight-impaired, like, bathroom attendant. Attendant, yeah. And you know, Austin Powers, you haven't happened to see anything at all, have you? Like, just, just another, just like, yeah. oh. I love, I love the variety of jokes we get. We get the, like, the awkward, like, cringe, like, oh, you haven't seen anything at all. Or, like, that's the same kind of joke as, like, a lot of vagina. But then we have, you know, the, the like... Uh, outrageous, like, uh, Richie Cunningham, my wife, Oprah, and then contrast that against, it, it, it's almost like a layered joke because, like, we get we get the reveal that, you know, uh, it's, it's a little bit of character development, too, because we get the reveal that number two, Dr. Evil's henchman, is kind of this sleazy guy who's cheating people at Blackjack, and then we also get this reveal that Austin Powers is a fucking goofball who doesn't know right. anything about cards, like, yeah, but just wants to look cool. Like, I like that. And then we go into toilet humor. Like, we have a variety of jokes that are dealt our way. Like, there's something for everyone in there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So then we get the, like, uh, you haven't happened to see anything at all. So uh, Austin Powers is in the stall. Because he's followed number two. He's number followed two went number into the two bathroom. into the stall. He's followed and he's, him. You know, yeah, he's he's stalking number two, but there's another assassin who like comes out of a secret panel in the stall, yes. which makes no fucking yeah. sense. How would they have known? No, that this this whole joke is definitely like they got to the punchline and they had to work backwards. And when they got to the point of, but how does the assassin get into the stall that Austin's in to try to kill him? They're like, I don't know. There's a secret panel. Shut the fuck but, up. But I, I, like I that, in that that moment they yes. were making fun of old old ass movies. Yeah, where true, it's like, true. Weird -ass I love ways doors and and I love the just very obvious like not give a shit hand wave like I don't know secret secret passage whatever like I love it because it's so <laughs> if you stop to think so, about it for two seconds it doesn't make any fucking sense so Austin is in a stall yes, thank you. just like waiting out number two and Tom Arnold is a random fucking 
uh, patron at, at this casino dressed as a cowboy, and he sits in the stall next to him, and they're like kind of like having some friendly banter or whatever. And then the assassin sneaks in and starts trying to uh, kill Austin Powers. He's trying to choke him to death. But of course, ha ha ha, the, the subversion is, oh, from Tom Arnold's perspective, he just sees Austin's pants around his ankles and he's like struggling and making a lot of grunting noises. So the ha ha ha, the whole joke of it is Austin is trying not to be murdered and Tom Arnold thinks that he's taking the shit of his life. <laughs> and so it just keeps cutting back and forth between Austin. Like he gets the assassin off of his neck and starts drowning him in the toilet. And Tom Arnold's like, oh, that sounds nasty. I'm in a courtesy flush. Like it's so stupid. But like I said, I've never seen Tom Arnold look more concerned for another human being's life than in that scene. Like he's like, hey, come on, t take it easy. You're going to blow an O-ring. Like he's so, he genuinely cares about Austin Powers. And then what's the end of the line. fucking joke? The end of the joke is Austin kills the assassin in the toilet. He steps out. Tom Arnold sees a dead body in this tall and goes, boy, what did you eat? <laughs> and then we move yeah. on. That's the next scene. That Those scenes all right back to back. Ah, oh, so good. So, so Justin, good. What, so obviously, James and I, big, big fans of this movie. What are, <laughs> what are some elements that still stand out to you 25 years after the fact? Um, I always loved the, uh, like the, the nude scene where he's like just walking naked. And, and, the, and we do like every visual thing yeah, possible to block. They're it. censoring him like with objects and like the whole like biting the carrot, and he's like, ah. And <laughs> we do that multiple times in this movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah it happens more than once. Um, I don't know why, but one of the things that always sticks out to me because it's it's one of those just like really stupid, but kind of because you know it's obvious this movie obviously came out when I was a kid. It like it was one of those just kind of funny things that just happened was. They're trying to escape, um, or trying to get to the missile or right. uh, drill, and they hop onto a steamroller to try to oh, escape. Right. Yeah. And yeah. here is Michael McDonald from Matt from, TV, yeah, from Matt sitting TV. here, putting up his hand and just screaming at them. And they're like, "Just get out of the way!" And he's just screaming for his life. I don't know. That always like stuck to stuck in my so, mind. Just being so stupid. It, but it's one of those things that like has I feel like has been done to death now but at the time like again the structure of it like they're in the steamroller oh my god they're gonna hit this guy but they're like a mile away from this guy like he like Going, very reminiscent yeah. to like the um uh in Monty Python the Holy Grail and they're coming up the hill and that's like they're you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting yeah and he did and he never moves and they kill him they steamroll over him screaming him and it's I don't know something about his scream too just like stayed in my well, head that's yeah. part of it is like there's a lot of performances in this where people are really giving a shit and that's yeah. one of them like he screams like from the depth of his soul oh, yeah. he screams and you're just like hey man this is just a silly haha -ha movie and what the <laughs> hell are you doing and he really gives it his all same with yeah. uh, Robert Wagner who plays number two he plays it super serious um, great great uh, straight man Fantastic. And, and there's I, like a I, lot of really uh, great jokes that are built on and uh, uh um uh Seth Green as Scott, uh Dr. Evil's son, he plays that super straight, like just very like serious business about being like the son of an idiot. Like that's yeah. it, it's and very I love I love that this movie is constantly passing off who is the goofball and who is the straight man. 
Because, like, even in that scene where I was describing, you know, the, like, outrageous a lot of vagina thing, Austin Powers has to play the straight man. And then immediately it flips to where Austin doesn't know anything about cards and Robert Wagner's like, all right. And, and there's so much of that where even in the dynamic between Seth Green and Dr. Evil, where, like, Dr. Evil's a goofball and, like, Seth is like, you're a fucking insane old man. You're this crazy frozen dictator from 1969. And then that flips, like, I, I don't know. I, I just love... Uh... So I will tell you one of my favorite scenes. And okay, it's from ahead, earlier in the film. Uh-huh. One of my absolute favorite scenes. And it's and it I love it because it is... It is structured almost like a Looney Tunes bit. Like, it's so... Like, it just keeps building higher. And, of course, it's after Austin gets thawed out and he has to go retrieve his things. Oh, yeah. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Oh, that's such a good so one. Good. It's, so good. And it's like, oh, yes, sir. You're, you know, at first it's so innocent. It's like, ah, oh, you know, uh, you know, necklace that's the male symbol. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah. It starts, again, so debonair because it's like, oh, yes, this is a, a box of stuff for a danger powers. And he's like. No, that's not right. And he's like, well, that's what it says here. He goes, ah, but danger's my middle name. And he gives, like, the bedroom eyes to uh, Vanessa. Vanessa Kensington. Like, mm-hmm, interested. And so we start with the necklace, and we start with, like, chino shoes. Like, oh, okay, great. And it's, like, Swedish-made penis pump. And he's like, oh, my God, because she's right there. Like, oh, that's not mine. That's absolutely not my. That's not my kind of thing. And it's like, oh a credit card receipt for a Swedish made penis. He's like signed by Austin danger powers. He's like, I swear to God, I swear to God, this isn't mine. And then finally the book, my, my Swedish made penis pump and me, this sort of thing is my bag baby. And it's just so good. <laughs> the, way, the way he hits this sort of thing is my bag baby. <laughs> like the yeah, way the he hits that like, line. Yeah, way that guy delivers. It's so like, just the opportunity just to be that much of an asshole on camera to Mike Myers, just to be like, no, fuck you. And then, so, oh, my, and so Austin's excuse, ah, you know what? I'm just going to sign for this and we'll just get moving forward. We got stuff to do. And so uh, he and Vanessa have a moment where she's like, well, you don't call me baby. People don't call people baby in the 90s. You can call me like Agent Kensington or maybe Vanessa. And it's like, oh, we've had like a little character moment. And then we're just about to leave the scene. And then, <clears throat> and then Austin turns around and he's got the pe- the the guy working the desk still has the penis pump and Austin's response is quickly and then just like puts it in the box and goes. So it's like a, just a great cherry on top of that Sunday of just like we're we're building up the ridiculousness and the absurdity and it's like to a fever pitch where like it can't be denied anymore. We have a slight misdirection and some yeah. character building only to capitalize on the joke of. This thing is definitely his bag, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes back. They tie the, the, the pump in at the end. Like, it's so good. Actually, it comes up. It's the rule of threes in comedy, because that's the first time. Yep. And then when uh, uh, Agent Kensington and, and Austin get to their hotel, because they're, like, pretending to be a couple, um, they're both unloading their luggage, mm-hmm. and they, like, pull out their guns, and it's like, oh, shit, here we go. And then the next thing Austin pulls out is the penis pump. And he's like, oh, my God. And she looks at it. He's like, oh, someone's playing a prank on me. This isn't mine. And she's like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then it comes back at the very end. So it's, it's like I really appreciate the super scientific, like, we have put it like this. And I think there's almost like a math to the, va- to the casino scene that James described where it's like 
it's a joke, a joke, a joke, a joke, and then it's like three minutes of breathing room, and then joke, 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 and then another like two minutes of breathing room, and then more jo- like it's yeah. it's there's a, there are apexes in this movie where it's just so many jokes after another, and they all hit, and then we move on to the next thing, and I'm the, I I'm dazzled by that. The pacing and editing in this movie is so good. My wife pointed out in we've been watching Our Flag Means Death. They totally stole the Swedish-made penis enlarger pump joke for, um, uh, what's his name? For the main character, who I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Captain Steed? Uh, Steed, yes. For Steed's journal. Because uh, he's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, uh, this? Uh, it's like a pirate fan fiction. And he like takes it, uh, and this other pirate takes it, and he's like reading it. And it says, this is the journal of Steed Bonnet, or whatever. And the other pirate's like, oh, no, it's not. It's just fan fiction. And then he like keeps reading it, and it's like, ah, oh, this is my journal. My name is Steve, and I'm writing in this journal. Like, this is Whoops. definitely my journal. No, it's not a journal. And I don't think it's as... Classic comedy, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. At, it doesn't get as good or as ridiculous as the penis pump, but so. And and part of the thing is, and 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 uh, one thing about my wife is, uh, we whenever we talk about Blazing Saddles, her favorite joke in Blazing Saddles is the candy gram, when when Mongo is like beating up the whole town and Sheriff Burke comes in in the little like uh, delivery boy outfit. He's like candy grand for Mongo. And then Mongo's like, Oh, I'm Mongo. And he opens it up and it blows up in his face like a Looney Tunes bit. Yeah. The joke that comes after that is everybody's impressed that Sheriff Bart beat this giant monster guy. And his response is, yeah, well the bitch was inventing the candy gram because like the movie knew like well that's not a thing yet and decided to go the extra mile to explain like no he had to invent that so that it would work for this so the the absurd prop idea of like ha 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 this is a penis pump that's funny like that alone in a, yeah. in, in your average 90s comedy would have been the end of it would have been like ha yes, ha yes, he's yes. so smooth yes. and it's a penis pump ha ha, 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 ha yeah. and then it's no, like yeah. oh no i'm denying it Ah, here's a credit card receipt that's got your name on it. Oh, no, I'm denying it. The absurdity of here is a very thick book that has your fucking picture (laughs) on the front that says this is your kind of fucking bag. Yeah. Is so ridiculous and it's so absurd. But it's like, yeah, where else could you go? Like you had to take it one step higher. So, yeah, why the fuck wouldn't you have it say that? Then it's you cannot deny it any further. So then it's just, ah, you know what? I'll just sign for this and we'll move on. Yeah. Um, So good. So good. But I thought, um, like I said, there's the uh, James, you've mentioned this before, that the only performance that you are not impressed with. you, You disagree with me on this, right? I do. I do not think, what's her name, Elizabeth Hurley? Yes. I don't think she's great in this movie. I don't, every every time I just watch her performance, she's just not, She's she appears to be just like, just wowed by Mike Myers' performance and just can't match his energy. And I don't know, she, she just seems like she's out of the scene to me. And... Part of that, I was actually trying to do a lot of research for this. And uh-huh. I was very excited to talk about this. And they said that uh, between 30 to 40% of the dialogue in the movie was improv. So the famous, like, shush scene, what Dr. Evil... I could see that being improv. That's yeah. improv. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the walking in the casino and the, hey, there you are, I wouldn't improv, be surprised yeah. if that's improv. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some of Tom Arnold's stuff was improv. Yeah, yeah. 
Because like, I, who writes I, that in a script? It's so I, dumb. It's so I dumb. Imagine, I can't imagine somebody writing down like, "Calm down, you're gonna blow out your O ring." I just can't <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Writing that down. It's so um, dumb. Like, and and it, you're right. It's the performances that make the stupid work. Right. Yeah. So I feel like if that is the case, and there's a lot of improv. Yeah. I could see Elizabeth Hurley getting left in the dust because she's not a comedic actress. So like, I think the best, the best moment of that is when uh, Austin and Vanessa get captured by Dr. Evil. They're in a secret lair and they like reveal the drill throw into the center of the earth and cause all the volcanoes to explode. And as soon as they pull that, they do like an insert shot that definitely wasn't filmed like in real time. This was definitely like an idea somebody had afterwards. And so they revealed the drill and Austin leans over to Vanessa and goes, Does that make you horny? And she's like, Oh, Austin, stop it. Uh-huh. That feels improv and that feels like as best as she could muster for an improv. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she like gives she gives like a good she gives like a good eye roll there too, which I believe. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's part of it too, is mm-hmm. I think she's at her best when she is being a wet blanket. Like like I in the love I third, love I love the th- scene where the fembots and Austin does his dance and and I love the scene where she just comes in and stares because that's all she has to do and the performance is on Mike Myers to like oh no well you know I started working my mojo and you know they were working and they got cross mojination their head started exploding you know that it's, it's you know and then she's just like okay. <laughs> what what you have watched this movie a lot justin quoted that I, no problem. I don't know how to tell you this buddy you fell into a fucking austin powers podcast like <laughs> like I, did, and I fucking love this movie oh i've seen i've seen the first one plenty of times but goddamn, i couldn't quote it like that yeah yeah, yeah. um jesus <laughs> and it's there it, are some yeah. uh, even so again talk about performances fucking clint howard as the the radar technician he yes. has one scene like maybe two, and he sells it so well. Like like when they see Doctor Evil's escape ship in the beginning, and it's shaped like the Bob's Big Boy, and it's like, oh, they came back in, and and the the Colonel's like, oh my God, this is like top secret, and then it disappears off the rate. Or no, he's like, uh, it looks like a Bob's Big Boy, and he's like, oh my God, it's back. And then Clint Howard goes into like a soft pitch for the restaurant chain where he's like, well, actually, sir, Bob's big boy never really left. Like they've been serving quality food at competitive prices. And he's like, shut up. Like, it's so (laughs) stupid. But Clint, for a minute, you're like, is Clint Howard the mayor of Bob's big boy? Like, does he (laughs) own stock in Bob's big boy? Like, I believe him. Um, and there's, there's like just so many little moments. Um, I love all the 60s stuff in the beginning when we get to see Austin like in his element and how fucking cartoonish it is and how ridiculous it is really just to serve the purpose of the culture shock. That's all it does. It's there to be like, hey, the 90s suck, which is very interesting that like that is kind of the subtext of the movie. It's like, hey, the 90s are lame and shitty. Now we're living in the era where we're all nostalgic for the 90s. The 90s. And every big movie from the 90s was like, hey, this era sucks and everything sucks. And yeah. the music sucks, and the fashion suck, and this is all shitty. And now we're looking back on it fondly. Um, is there any, uh, which I guess is a question for James, because he has this movie memorized. Are there any moments that don't work for you in the first one? Anything that you think falls flat? Um, anything that you were like, ah, we probably could have trimmed this down? I wish, because I haven't seen it since you and I watched it last, which I don't, is a year and a half ago, maybe. Probably, yeah. Um, I 
I remember thinking that some of the, like, Dr. Evil bits, especially some of the stuff that just has entered the, like, pop culture consciousness and gets quoted to death, I remember just, like, watching those and thinking, like, how did this become, like, so mimetic? Like, the stupid, like, one million dollar, like, why was that the thing that everyone latched onto? And, like, everyone does the one million dollars. Like, what? Why was that? I don't know. Like, it's, I, I don't find this funny. Like, I don't I know. I will say that the, the last act gets a little sluggish once yeah. they're in the underground yeah. layer. Yeah, yeah, It yeah, gets yeah. a I little agree. sluggish. I agree. Um, And the ending itself is kind of like, it feels sort of thrown together. Like, the, the first two-thirds of the film are so strong, and there's, like, so many jokes and then towards the end, it feels like we kind of run out of steam, and it's I like, agree. well, we can't really make that many jokes, you know. Um, yep. But uh, but overall, though, I think it's a super strong comedy. Um, it surprisingly still holds up. Like I, there's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for the original Ace Ventura, but that the entire villain and the whole ending portion of that movie does not hold up anymore. Like you can't be like, yeah, that trans person. Is the villain, and yeah. they have different mm. genitalia than we would expect. That's the punchline. Yeah, like, yeah. Ay, 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 that's not okay. Uh, yeah, um, him vomiting and spitting. Yeah. And Does anybody even know what Dan Marino is this, anymore? This, this trans person who we thought was a female turns out to still have male parts. Ah, uh, everyone throws up at the same time. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Jesus almighty, like, that's not okay. If you explain that movie to someone, they'd be like, and then everyone got shot afterwards, right? Like, that's, <laughs> I hate crime you just described to me. Um, no, the fact Austin, that Austin still is watchable. Still, and, still holds up. Yeah. It's still, uh, it's still all right. Um, and especially now that the 90s are so looked at uh, with nostalgia goggles, I think it, it might even have like a, a resurgence soon because it does capture the obnoxiousness of the 90s pretty well. Uh, as, as we said earlier, uh, James and I did watch the second one right after, and it pales in comparison. It did way better. It made like so much more money, and became like such a big pop cultural landmark. But if you were looking at them as pure comedies, the first one is so well put together, and the second one does a lot of borrowing from the first yep. one. I, I, yeah. I think the second one we start to get just a little bit derivative. And that's, I think, where we really get into trouble into the third one. Like, the third one is just so derivative. It's like, oh, my God, what are we there, doing? There's a couple of moments in the second one that take an idea and expand on that joke. And it's for the better. Because mm -hmm. I immediately think of Will Ferrell's part. Because Will Ferrell in the first movie is just a bit part. He yeah. gets, like, thrown in a, in a pit. And he doesn't die right away. And it's yep. like extended for a little bit of time. It's funny. In the second one, we go back, we do it again. And this time, it's a lot more memorable. It's a lot more quotable lines. Um, so that's like, okay, we improved upon it the second time. Um, same thing with like some of the Dr. Evil stuff. The like going beyond shush and then it zip it. Yeah. And then, yeah. Which, a lot of that stuff, I'm just like, why is this funny? It just, which is still derivative, but, yeah. like, oh, we expanded on it because, like, the shush is just shush. Whereas Zip, you, you're getting into, like, these weird abstract ideas of, like, do you want a suckle of my zipple? 
and I'm zippy long stockings, like shit that you're like, what are we even talking about anymore? And like him bullying number two uh, with like the, the big um, bouncing globe. Like there are certain elements I'm like, okay, this is derivative, but we did improve upon the formula, but you're right. I think that's what saves it from yeah. just being like, oh, we literally just copy and paste and did the same goddamn thing again. I um, I still think the second movie is is pretty good. Uh, I, I will say um, my least favorite thing is like most of Fat Bastard. Like most of that does not play funny for me. I don't know. It's uh, I think the absurdity of it, of just like, oh my God. Because like, did you ever mm-hmm. see the fucking... Uh, the Nutty Professor remake with Eddie Murphy, like oh yeah, maybe yeah. The Clumps, his yeah. whole extended family is fat. He's yeah, yeah, fat yeah. for some of the movie. Like there was a time where that was just like comedy yeah. gold. This yeah, who's not you're, normally if you're fat, a fat guy, fat that's now. funny. <laughs> uh, my favorite, my absolute favorite, is the end. In contrast to the first movie, I think the end of the second movie has a very strong ending. Where true. Uh, uh, I think kind of the, um, I, I like the message of the, if these movies have a message, I like the, the, the message of the second movie where Austin d- fails to get his mojo back, which is the MacGuffin that he's chasing for the whole movie, fails to get his mojo and like, he's, you know, the, his love interest is like, come on, you've had your mojo the whole time. You don't need, you know, you're, you saved the world, you defeated Dr. Evil, you're going to get the girl. What do you need your mojo for? Um, so, and I love, absolutely love the ridiculous time travel paradox where Austin meets himself from 15 minutes ago and then they start just being ridiculous. And then the after credits scene, Austin walks in on his love interest in bed with someone else and he's like, what? Like how? Like what? And then he realizes that it's Austin from 15 minutes from now. And then anyway, it's fucking ridiculous. It's all bang together. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I will say I do give kudos for uh, the ultimate um, Ghostbusters 2. How do we get out of a, a happy ending of the previous film? I think Austin <laughs> Powers 2 is the number one of like, hey, the end of the first one, Austin learns to like be cool in the 90s. Uh, he's he's married to Agent Kensington, like cool. They're monogamous. Great. Happy ending. Hooray. Goodbye. And then the second movie, they're like, well, we can't have him fucking tied down. Like, he can't be married. That's boring as shit. So <laughs> just, whoops, she was actually a femme butt the whole time. <laughs> and fuck that shit. She's dead already. And now we're moving on. Like, great. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> Machine gun jubblies. How did I miss those? Um... <laughs> Called foreplay. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a bonus. We're going to bring the Patreon back. And we're going to do a bonus episode that's just James and I. Do, playing every part. Do you think we could? Do you Austin think Powers? we could do the whole movie? Because I could do that with Star Wars. Do you think we could do it with Austin Powers? Probably pretty close. I don't know if you recall when you go back and rewatch this and you see your explanation, including director's notes of the casino scene. You're gonna go, "Holy shit, I'm very autistic." You're gonna say that, and then you're gonna say, "Wow, I really know this movie." Uh, yeah, no, the 25th anniversary of Austin Powers: International Man of Mystery. Holy shit, what a fucking classic. Um, We'll play the fucking card game on this podcast uh, because there was an Austin Powers uh, Pokemon-style, Magic the Gathering-style card game uh, that was uh, created and sold terribly, and this man owns the entire set. 
start to finish. He has the entire collection, and we will play it on this show. When it's card games with James. Uh, so, Justin, any final thoughts on Austin Powers reminiscing about it? Uh, did this movie shape you in any way when you were young? Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say it, it, it opened up uh, my comedic silliness interests. Um, no, yeah, I always, always associated the movie with like kind of Looney Tunish comedy. The whole like, you know, cart stuck in the hallway scene. Yeah. And, Genius. Yeah. Beautiful. That's um, actually how I know I'm getting older is that I'm liking more of those style of comedies. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a kid thinking like the naked gun movies were like the stupidest fucking thing on the planet earth. And now, now like yeah, I've watched uh, Police squad, which is like the TV show that led to naked gun. And I'm like, nah, this is fucking genius. Yeah. So I love, love absurdist comedy. I love the fucking Penis and larger pump. I love the fucking <laughs> stupid sort of thing. Is my bag, baby? Uh, um, yeah, so good, so good. I have love... you ever seen Police Squad, James? Yeah, ever you make and you I, watch you, that? you, we watched it. You and I did in college. Okay, no, I make sure. no, I you came sure. over to my house and put it on my television. We watched it together. Why did I do that? Why did I torture you? <laughs> no, um, it's funny. I enjoyed it. We had a good time. You've forgotten my. I usually I'm the one with a terrible memory. Why is it? You? It's only with movies. Everything else, it's like people right. or places I have, or things. I have it's the movies. I have the entirety of Austin Powers in my brain, but I can't remember <laughs> important dates. I can't remember, you know, uh, I don't birthdays, know. Any, anniversaries, nothing. It's uh, all gone. Anything changing memories, all work gone. related is gone. Just anything fucking important gone. James walks but, back into his house. It's like, when did we get a dog? Yeah, exactly. But if you ask him, like. And Austin, here's my mother, Mrs. Exposition, and then he punches so, her. Yes, just absurdist dumb shit. I fucking love that. That's a man, baby. I mean, at least they set it up. They set yeah, it up yeah, yeah. in the beginning in the '60s, like oh, yes. he punches it. It's and totally that's why right. it's that's why it's funny because the audience has seen this skit before and knows what and Austin is. Yes, and it worked because Austin. Yes, so good, so stupid. That's my my, my my only little thing about this is in doing research, there's a lot of people who claim that like the Dr. Evil character and voice is just like a parody of Lorne Michaels. That's what I've but, heard. But here's how I challenge that. If you've ever seen the like degrade comedy, So I Married an Axe Murderer, which was like I, Mike Myers' first big comedy attempt, uh, which he didn't direct or write. It was somebody else's idea, and he was just starring in it, and it flopped. And allegedly, that's what caused him to go, like, if I'm ever going to be in a movie again, I have to have creative control to some extent. Um, but in that movie, there was a scene. I definitely pulled it up on YouTube. There's a scene where he's talking to this girl, and they're, like, getting to know each other on a date. And he's like, uh, tell me something uh, really evil about yourself. Like, what's the most evil thing about you? And she's like, oh, what kind of evil? And he's like truly evil like fruits from the devil and he says it and it sounds just like dr evil yeah, yeah so yeah. like he was already doing that voice at some point but it just like i guess makes for more comedy or drama or like i don't know rumory shit to be like it's actually a rip on fucking lauren michaels i don't know but, uh, but that's I mean, why I, like I mean it could be i mean that's that's how it goes with anybody is like sometimes you just make a voice and it yeah it could be a 
you know, from inspired by other people, but it sometimes just is your own little character. You know, you make your own little guy. A hundred percent. I think you're absolutely a hundred percent right on. But also, it's I very think... sad that the only thing I remember from that movie is his like poetry sessions. Yeah. His, his uh, little jazz poet thing yeah. that he did. It was like, whoa, was man. Like, whoa, oh, man. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that and the giant uh, uh, coffee that they yeah. had him like this, like coffee cup the size of my fucking head. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I ordered the large. Hello. Like, it's very <laughs> obnoxious. Um, but yeah, like, it's one of those things where, like, I think just people have made it more of a thing than it is. I think, just, I think you're right. I think it's just a voice that just sort of came yeah. out and he was like, oh, I'll just go with it. But yeah. people are like, well, when you were Dr. Evil, wasn't that you actually saying fuck you to Lorne Michaels? Like, I think that's just where we are now. That's the narrative now. Uh-huh. But yeah, go watch Austin Powers. It's available on Amazon Prime Video for rental for $3. I rented it before the episode. And I've got 20 minutes left to go. So oh. I'm going to watch it right after this and finish it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Kirby was good. Austin Powers won better. That's my vote. Do you guys also want to... Oh. Kirby, ultimate uh, penis bump. Yeah. Uh, that's true. He that's can, true. He can suck at anything. Um... <laughs> this Kirby made penis pump and me... You want, you want a semi-truck-sized of... cock? This Kirby can make it happen. This banana waddle D is my bag, baby. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, do you guys want to endorse other stuff? Because I've got a tie-in endorsement to like. Oh shit! Your like um, crazy story about uh, Michael Myers imitating Lorne Michaels. I have been listening. I'll I'll go ahead and recommend it if you like. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, and you like really like it. Um, uh, the three. Uh, male lead actors, um, Rob McElhenney, Charlie Day, and Glenn Howerton, uh, do a weekly podcast where they they are starting at season one. They go to season two, season three. They're rewatching their own show, and they just divulge a bunch of crazy behind the scenes shit about um, every episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, and it is crazy listening just all these crazy behind the scenes things like um sort of related to like oh um michael myers lauren michaels impression um just the name uh, uh deandra d who is the the female lead in the show she has a nickname sweet d and mm -hmm. I was, and they use it especially a lot at the beginning of the show apparently that was something rob McElhenney like accidentally stole from Tom Morello, the lead guitarist of Rage Against the Machine. I guess they went over to a party at his house and like his girlfriend, fiance, wife, uh, he kept calling her Sweet D and Rob was like, that's such a cool nickname. And then like used it in the TV show and then the TV show exploded and got so popular and like I guess Tom Morello called and he's like hey I'm fucking pissed like why'd you steal my wife's nickname like well in in Tom Morello's defense is that like D is like a great character in the show so yeah if you were like oh yeah. you know I call my wife schnookamookums and this giant asshole on called schnookamookums I'd be like hey what the fuck man so, yeah like, yeah yeah like, so there's just all these crazy behind-the-scenes things that you learn, and you really get to get a lot of insight of, like, who these actors are when they're not in character. And I will say uh, a lot... I 
I think a lot of the actors are way closer to their characters than they will admit, especially <laughs> Glenn Howerton as Dennis Reynolds. That actor is almost just the same character. He is so just, he's got so much maniac energy when he's not in character, <laughs> not in character. He's just being himself <laughs> oh talking God. on the <laughs> podcast and he's, he gets so worked up and he's just yelling over the other two hosts. And I'm like, are you Glenn or are you, you, you know, your your character Dennis? Like, I, which one is coming Where out Where does right? Glenn stop and Dennis begin? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, really interesting podcast, uh, especially they, um, if you're a fan of the show. Didn't they do like a whole podcast where they uh, just slowly got more and more drunk? Yes, yes, that was a recent, because uh, Rob uh, um, Mac from the show, Rob goes, hey, I think it would be a really great idea if we all got, like, blackout drunk and recorded an episode of the podcast, and they <laughs> fucking did. I'm listening to the podcast sequentially, I've seen highlights from that episode, but I haven't gotten yeah. to that episode yet, so I haven't listened to it. But Yeah, I, I've seen the highlights, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just... Justin, anything you can endorse? Um... I've been browsing TikTok lately, um, oh. and I came, I came across um, a, a, a mashup artist who uh, I'm enjoying, uh, DJ Cumberbum. <laughs> Cumberbum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, really get, getting into that. His his stuff's really good. Zach is a fan. Um, yeah. I, uh, I like his TikToks a lot because he shows the, like, kind of the editing process of it. Like, he'll yeah. show the whatever program he uses to edit with he'll <laughs> and show, i love like, how he names all of his yes yes that's how beautiful. he keeps them organized is amazing yeah um but that's super interesting to me like i really it's funny that you mentioned that i've been trying to find like i was trying to build i don't even know what the genre is called it's not quite mashup but like okay so uh frontier psychiatrist by uh the avalanches that's like a kind of internet-y song that everybody sort of knows at some degree, but it's built like entirely out of sound bites of just like random shit. And I want to find more music like that. And that's a weird genre that I've only been able to find like one or two other songs by different artists that kind of are close to that, but nothing like that. And then you go, well, just listen to more of the fucking songs from that band. That's the only song for that band that sounds like that. Everything else is sort of other different genres. Yeah. Um, but DJ Cumberbund comes close. There's a couple of mashups that he makes, and I'm like, this is fucking wild. What are we doing? Because <laughs> um, it feels like with a lot of his songs, the beginning is like the sales pitch of it. It's like, oh, it's this it's this instrumental and this vocal track, and this is something you wouldn't expect. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is interesting. I like this. It's got a good vibe. And then like two-thirds of the way through, he'll be like, yeah, anyway, here's eight other songs I'm putting in here too. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, then you start yeah hearing vocals from, like, songs from the 60s. Yeah, basically, as soon as Macho Man shows up, that's when you know, like, shit's about to get real. Because in almost every one of his songs, there's at least uh, either a Macho Man, like, rap lyric, or there's him going, oh, yeah, and you're yeah. like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and he always marks it, too, like a little, oh, yeah, right there on his... Um, so you know. Um, so you know it's good quality. No, what, what hooked me onto him was um, he came out with a... Uh, parody song uh uh feet pants yeah pants feet yes 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 um which is a uh, what's the band everybody hates nickelback nickelback it's them uh oh yes i know that song yes yeah and he and he and he takes it and just like i love feet and i love pants 
Yeah, that's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> um, I actually came out to a, uh, a DJ Cumberbund song. Uh, I was uh, doing commentary for um, Kaiju Big Battle last weekend, and they were like, before the show, they're like, oh, what, what theme song do you want to come out to? And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, no, there's, there's no, we're not worried about copyright. So like any song you want. And I was like, oh my God. And so I started like scrolling through YouTube and I'm like, uh, what about this? And so um, I came out to uh, Pretty Fly for uh, Rasputin. And so uh, so that's what I came out to. And everyone was very nice. confused. Uh, and, uh, and speaking of wrestling, perfect segue into my endorsement. Uh, this weekend, uh, Saturday, the day before Mother's Day in uh, beautiful, luxurious Brooksville, Brooksville, Florida at Leadfoot City. There is a uh, a Cinco de Mayo themed uh, show fair, I guess you could say, at Leadfoot City. They're going to have uh, Tito Puente Jr. there to like conduct his band. And there's going to be like cars and monster trucks and all this other shit. But fuck all that shit. There's going to be wrestling. And I'm going to be there doing ring announcing for Brawl USA Wrestling. Uh, there's going to be a rumble. There's going to be like 20 dudes all coming in the ring and trying to throw each other over the top rope. And hopefully no one breaks their neck. And uh, I'll be there uh, making the announcements and all that. So uh, if you're anywhere near that area, come out to uh, Leadfoot City on Saturday. I believe the event starts at 5. Uh, and we'll probably be on at 6. So come in, eat some fried food, watch some pro wrestling. And, uh, yeah, that's my endorsement. Uh, you can go to Leadfoot City on uh, Facebook or Brawl USA on any social media and find out what the fuck is going on. So that's my uh, that's my ringing endorsement. Hopefully this episode goes up before then, James. Oh, fuck. Real horse's ass. Um, I will try to get it up ASAP. That's what she said. Anyway, so that's it. Um, everyone, enjoy this very, very on-themed May the 4th episode of the Good Games Podcast. We and, hope that you've enjoyed yourself. And if you really want more Star Wars content, go back and listen to our previous episode where we talk about Lego Star Walkers. Like, holy Lego shit. Star Skywalkers. Uh, holy oh, fuck. Uh, I'm Lego get... Star Walkers. You heard it here, folks. I'm it's getting the tired. New DLC it's, package. It's time for me to go to bed. Uh, yes. So for the Good Games Podcast, I'm James. I'm Justin. I'm Zach. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. This sort of thing is our bag. Baby. 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 <laughs> all right yeah fellas was this fun. was fun that was very fun i'm so glad that you were you I... allowed me to completely derail this fucking thing oh my god and, you guys uh... are very passionate about austin powers lord of mercy <laughs> I don't know how I knew James like really enjoyed the movie, but God damn. <laughs>